again, everyone, and welcome to episode 114 of the Three Point Podcast. Our trio includes our resident millennial, Jared Patel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the boomer, Ted Exotic Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. Our fantastic partners include Advanced Elevator, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Shared and Auction service, the Corona Public Schools, and ProMec Engineering, and our online syndication teammate, Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Shoot us your comments and questions on social media, at 3 Point Pod. And uh, just to tell you, we're recording this on Sunday, March 29, 2020, and we're going to get caught up on our world and we'll also be checking in with Dan Weiner, who helped break the Rudy Gobert story. We'll also have a special edition of Tedertainment tonight, and I think just a few of our thoughts on Tiger King. We're going to get it all rolling right after this short break. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. So I'm pretty much at my wit's end with this whole quarantine thing. So as you guys know, I have two older brothers, and this is the first time we've really been under the same roof since I was like 13 or 14 years old, all living in the same you know quarters. Yeah, we've had a couple like Christmas breaks or stuff like that, but that's only for a few days. And I just have, I forgot, I don't know how I, I did this my whole life. I have no privacy. You want to know what I'm dealing with? I take a shower. The one time I think like, okay, finally, I can like be by myself. My brother just starts pounding on the door, <laughs> comes in and says, like demanding that he has to use the bathroom. He has to use the bathroom. He just comes in and basically just stares at me. It's weird. That's <laughs> like, what the shit I deal with? So I'm just dealing with a lot of stuff like that right now. And I just don't know how much longer I can do this. Yeah. Five in the house. I mean, it's a little different now that you really all have lived on your own, but now packed back in the house. How are your parents handling it? Well, so I I never really like coming home because my dad, I can tell, hates it when I'm home <laughs> because he has his, you know, he has his routine where he goes to work from like, you know, I don't know, six to noon and, then, an he'll come riser, yeah. and then he'll come home for like an hour nap, like on lunchtime Power nap. and I'm always on the TV. I'm always in his favorite chair. I'm always, you know, up and about. He never can go like to take his nap. And I just think it really irritates him. <laughs> and it, if the house is not completely spick and span, like everything's cleaned up, your bed is made every single morning. Like they freak out. They lose their mind. Over. <laughs> like I leave the seat up on the toilet. Like not the, not the, like what you would pull up to pee, but like the, um, 
I don't even know, like the the lid. I guess is what you'd call it. I, if, if that's not down when you're the done, yeah. you're gonna get bitched about, <laughs> bitched to about it. So it's just, I, it's just that's what I'm dealing with. Wow. Have you I seen? Think, yeah, that like you said, Ted. It it changes things once you guys have all been out and lived on your own, and then come home. Different set of expectations or whatever, but it's definitely like I don't know. You know, you have those stretches where you are home or you don't maybe travel for a little while or something. But when you're kind of forced to stay home, it is definitely a different feeling. I mean, you know, we've, we've still, like, we've gone for some bike rides and, you know, we'll go for some walks, a couple things. My wife is still working because she works in the medical field, so she's still going to work. But I've just been, like, stuck at home with my daughter, which isn't the worst thing, but, yeah, you get a little cabin fever. <laughs> oh, yeah, but at least you're able to go outside and, you know, get some fresh air. And we're, we're still able to do that up here, too. But I was just going to ask you a question, Matt, back after you got out of school, did you go directly to work for ESPN? Did you ever have a period of time where you went back home for a while? No, the the only time I kind of like what Jared said, the only time I like moved back home was uh, a couple summers in between, you know, during college. Right. But otherwise, no, I started working at Fox 17 where, where Jared works right after college for three years. And then I went out to ESPN. So yeah, I never had to like officially move home. So yeah, the the temporary moves, you know, for like a few weeks or a couple months for the summer, or like Jared said, for Christmas break, that was probably enough. Because <laughs> I mean, we I, I grew up in a pretty big house. There's plenty of space, but it would have been a lot different if I would have moved moved home permanently, it, and, it, and especially quarantined. That's that's a whole different story. It, it's weird how when you start to get forced to do something that it just like becomes a job. Like I feel like my job nowadays is like nine to five. I'm playing Call of Duty. Like it's not even fun. It's just I feel like I have to lock in, and it just doesn't have the same luster as it did when you would oh get home from a day of work or get home from class and then play. Now it's just like I guess I'll play. I have nothing else to do, and it's just yeah. And I know it, we've talked about it before, but it's also when you're cooped up in your house, even if you go out and walk the dog once in a while or go outside and get some fresh air, but you're in that house all the time. And it's just so, so tempting and so impossible to resist the refrigerator. <laughs> yep. That's a, I was, I was going to ask you guys how your food situation is going. Cause obviously, you know, a couple of weeks ago, even still the whole like food grocery store situation has been one of the hottest topics around this whole quarantine situation but i don't know how it's been for you guys you know everyone's stocking up you know you fill your freezer and you're getting stuff but since we're not going to work every day we're like eating all the food i was talking to one of my neighbors the other day and he was like i've never spent food before because yeah you're, you're doing good and stocking up to be prepared in case anything crazy happens i guess but like like you said ted you're just you're home right breakfast you're eating lunch you're snacking you're eating dinner you know, you're never at work, like, grabbing food at work or, you know, whatever you do. It's it's kind of wild. Well, that's it. I can do a regiment, and I can I can kind of watch what I eat as long as I'm going to the office. You know, it's not that fridge there, at least till I get home at 5 o'clock. You know, I can... I can I can ration myself for a reasonable type of lunch, you know, and maybe something small for breakfast, but it's just almost impossible at home. And and to go on top of that, the hyper hibernation things, you know, the television, like Jared said, playing Call of Duty, and we'll get more into that a little later. Uh, it's a whole new world we're in for sure. Now, just to just to bring you up to up to date on what we got going on, you know, this whole social distancing thing. It, it is very important for everybody out there to do it. I know there's still some states, some people that won't do it, but 
I'm following right along. I'm out very, very rarely. We have one local store in here in town that they open up the doors on Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. for anybody over 60 years old. You know, everything's been disinfected from the night before. They have... Uh, they have hand sanitizer right there at the front doors. They also have, you know, the uh, Clorox uh, wipes that you can wipe down the cart. And I tried it for the first time last Tuesday. You know, we've kind of rationed ourselves down. There's only the two of us at home. So, you know, only have to really get groceries and essentials once a week anyway. So I tried it last Tuesday, and it was pretty funny. I was, I'm an early riser, so I was there right at 6 o'clock. The doors were just getting ready to open up, and... So I went in and I noticed pretty much all the old codgers immediately went right to the toilet paper aisle. <laughs> and it just fit right in with the whole stereotype. But I will say this, I felt pretty comfortable going in there. Uh, a lot of the people had masks on. A lot of people had rubber gloves on. Um, you know, the checkout people were really friendly and, you know, we stayed to the distance from people. And I, I feel like... That was that was a pretty good social distancing, and really, that is it. Other than I, I popped over to my parents' house today and brought them some breakfast, but I'm really not out in public. How about you guys? Did you ever end up going on that walk that you um, you like were building up to it? And like, oh yeah, when I get home from the podcast, I'm gonna go on a walk. I actually, did we've I walked probably I should have walked more this week. My wife has a sprained ankle, so she can't keep up right at the moment. But <laughs> but I walked happen? three times this week. She she tripped going down the stairs. She, oh. She's very clumsy. But uh, uh, yeah, I did actually, and I have been walking more than I probably would have. Otherwise, yeah, because there's nothing to do. You know, you can only watch so much TV back to back. You got to take a little break. And and I let's face that, it, that might be the biggest statement of this whole thing. Ed <laughs> admitting that you can only watch so much TV. <laughs> well, we can get more into that when we get to that segment here coming up. But really, when you think about it, you you can you 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 have to get up and do something after you know three four hours of television watching. You guys agree with that? I, I, oh yeah, you you got to get up. And I know. Jared, you were talking about playing so much Call of Duty. I remember back in high school, college days, sitting and playing video games for hours, and I played a lot of Call of Duty in college also. But, yeah, after a while, even like my daughter, you know, she's a toddler, she's about four years old, and, you know, we'll watch some cartoons or watch a movie, and she even will get up and it, she's like, we got to, she asked me, like, let's go play, let's go outside. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't just sit there and watch TV all day. No. It, it's kind of funny, so usually what I'll do to break up, uh, like, the TV watching, the video game playing, uh, mixing with, like, a couple of Skype high, uh, homework or college classes here and there, is I'll take my dog for a walk. And today, I think he's getting, like, this dog, he's going on more walks than he's ever <laughs> signed up for because of this virus. And he actually, after about, like, a 30, usually we'll go for, like, an hour. After 30 minutes, he just sat down and didn't want to walk anymore. <laughs> Had enough. Yeah. And so I think he's get, I think even dogs are getting sick of it. Like they can't walk all the time. Yeah. And hey, you brought up what about you, Go ahead, Matt. What do you guys think about the you mentioned the rubber glove thing, Ted? Yep. What do you guys think about the people wearing the rubber gloves? I understand why, but isn't it like funny to think about so you're, you know, using the rubber gloves to maybe protect your hands from whatever you're touching, but then you're touching your keys or you're touching your phone with those rubber gloves on or even some people touching their face? Doesn't it seem a little like counterproductive to wear the gloves? It, it 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 kind of is. I've seen people use the rubber gloves and still use the sanitizer, but really, it doesn't really matter. It, it, I mean, it, it, like like for me, for example, when I went to the store and used the cart, you know, I cleaned the cart, but I still had to pick stuff stuff off the shelves. But I absolutely consciously 
you know, did hand sanitizer. I loaded the groceries in the car. Then I did hand sanitizer again. I wiped down my steering wheel. So I think if you're at least prudent about that kind of stuff, I, I think the odds are picking it up off of, uh, you know, groceries or something like that, as long as you, without touching your face or your mouth, use the sanitizer or wash your hands, I think you're, you're probably okay. I really think, and again, I'm no doctor, I'm no expert, I got to believe that probably the most susceptible way you're going to get it is through airborne particles. You know, if somebody coughs that has it or just breathes in the air. I still think that's probably the top way to get it, at least from what I've been hearing from some of the doctors that I've seen on TV, which by the way, I mean, you know, we're, we're hearing everything we can hear from doctors to politicians to you name it, this whole thing. Oh, did that, you hear that? Speaking of that, did you see the article that Mitch Album wrote? I shared it this morning, as a matter of fact, yeah. yeah he, uh, he right didn't on. back at all. No, and he shouldn't have. I mean, it, you know. Uh, no, he, it was spot on. I, I mean, we, we try to stay away from politics a little bit on this show, but I completely agree with everything he was saying. But just to your point that we're hearing from everyone right now. Yeah. You know, and it's you're seeing where people really are coming from on the social media. I've really, really stayed away from it, you know, because I know if you post a political statement on Twitter or Facebook, it's just going to be bombarded with the opposite side, and then it's going to be uh, just a, a nonstop conversation because you can't win. You know, you're going to have the supporters of the president. You're going to have the people that don't. But I do want to throw one thing out, and since we brought it up, there is one thing that just really, really irks me about this whole stimulus package. What was it, like $2.1 trillion uh, right. to be spent to solve this terrible epidemic that we're in? But, you know, again, politics have to get played. You know, and I got to fault the Democrats on this one because they didn't want to sign the bill. And I, and I don't know every detail about the bill because Republicans probably threw stuff in there too. But when I see there was $25 million earmarked for this agreement to upgrade the Kennedy Center, that makes me go, what in the hell are you people doing? Yes, that's important. Yeah. That's important. But don't you think every bit of this $2.1 trillion should go to this pandemic? That's my whole argument. Thanks, right? I would think so, too. Jared, you're the young guy. You're the hope for this country. <laughs> Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on that at all? I don't know if you should be looking to my generation. As you can see, we've been out partying on spring break. <laughs> and I don't think it was until maybe a couple days ago that everyone's finally decided to stay inside. I, I, I would agree with what you're saying, but I mean, $2.1 trillion, I can't even like fathom how, yeah, how many money zeros that is this. <laughs> what do you think about everyone kind of getting, uh, like, what is it, $1,200? As uh, I don't get it. So listen to this, kind of unlucky. My parents claimed me, or I was independent last year. They claimed me this year. Oh. So it got flipped around where if I was independent this year, I would have got the package or whatever. Yeah, I think part of it is are there, you're probably still under their health care plan, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was the Mitch Album, Grich or Matt, what was the, uh, what did Mitch Album even write? I didn't even see it. So he, I mean, you guys probably living in Michigan, you guys probably have heard more about the feud, I guess, between the governor of Michigan and uh, Trump. Yep. And there, there's a lot of details there. We don't have to get into all that. But he wrote an article about basically about that and defending the governor of Michigan. But he didn't. He didn't hold back his criticism of Trump at all. Oh yeah, I mean Trump has the thinnest skin of any president I think we've ever had. I mean, let's face it. If you say if you're a politician or you're somebody that says something against him, 
all of a sudden he has a big grudge, and he has a big grudge against uh, Governor Whitmer. Now, whether you agree with what she does, that's a whole different story, but the way that he handles it is just so immature. I think that's what bothers most of the anti-Trump people out there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like people are, this is almost like, it's bringing out a lot of good in people. There is a lot of good going on, a lot of people helping you know, people in need or providing services for people who need, whether it's entertainment or, you know, just something to do, food or whatever. There's a lot of good going on, but it's also bringing out a lot of bad in people, this, oh. this whole situation. So yeah, it goes away soon. How, how do you guys think you would be, let's say, I mean, God forbid, let's say that shit really hits the fan and people are, you know, looting and robbing. How would you say your house would fare against like potential robbers well mine would fare fairly good if i'm home because i have myself a nice nine millimeter <laughs> so <laughs> i don't remember it maybe the first time i use it but <laughs> yeah are you that's gonna be kind of funny that you have one of those i remember and i think maybe i've said this on the show before but we my dad used to this was kind of like in the big like doomsday preppers like 2015 like era and I remember my dad was like, yeah, we're going to start prepping here. Like, we're going to get some food. And I'm like, well, are you going to get a gun? He's like, no. I was like, well, what's even the point? Someone's just going to, if stuff really does go that south, someone with a gun is just going to come and steal it all. Yeah. Well, at least I'm, I'm, I'm set to protect my house. Now, as far as groceries, if it becomes complete mayhem out there in zombie land, who knows? Who knows at that situation? Yeah, like the Purge movies or something like that. Yeah, I mean, my wife, is. she's one that she even, she admits it, that she loves to like make a ton of food like she'll make a huge thing of chili and then freeze a lot of it or like whatever she makes different things to freeze so we do have a, a deep freezer in our garage it's like full of frozen meals so nice. maybe people would rate that but otherwise i mean i i don't know like people going to come in and steal some tvs or you know like <laughs> If someone wants to break into our place, I'd be like, have at it. Oh, it's funny. You know, I was on my way into the recording studio today and listened on radio, a different radio station, and they were talking about some got, somebody actually got broke into, and they didn't steal TVs or electronic equipment. They stole all their food. Can you imagine that? That's kind of a yeah. first step of where we're at right now. That's that's a scary thought in itself. That that falls into the what I was saying earlier, bringing out a lot of bad at people. Yeah. Like that, that, that's pretty ridiculous. No kidding. Well, I think we're going to get some thoughts from our guest, Dan Weiner, coming up here in a minute because he has an interesting story tied into the beginning of the coronavirus. But uh, before we get to him, I just want to tell you about the Corona Connection, the coronaconnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com. And also, we want to thank our friends at Advanced Elevator Company. They feature Top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools, and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. Before we get Dan on the phone, Jared, I had one follow-up question for you that you brought up. You're still taking online classes at GVSU, right? Right yes. now? Is that that's like mandatory? So everybody that's a student over there is doing the online stuff, huh? Uh, only one of my classes is doing online. All the other ones are just, oh, post an assignment, post the lectures like i have one that's where the guy just records his lectures okay. and then it's like a powerpoint like with him talking over it right now and you're so you take notes on that and 
so do like a discussion board. Do something. you have like a final, uh, like finals? Because this is your last year, right? And you graduate. This yeah, spring. I mean, any of them that I do have finals, they've now became you know open book, open web, which basically means oh, you don't study, you just Google the answers when the <laughs> test comes out. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess I do, but not really. I got you. All right, if very interesting. I was just curious about that. Okay, we're gonna hook up with Dan. All right, so let's bring on my friend Dan Weiner. We've had him on before, and uh, we were just talking off air. He's the the resident mascot expert for the Three Point Podcast. If you go back and look at our archives, he's been on a few times, and he's got a really interesting story about how he saved America with some Rudy Gobert video. So I'll just let him tell that story. And, yeah, Dan, how did you save America? Yeah, so the night that Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus, um, I was at work. I worked at ESPN, and we had just kind of seen that, like, in the span of, like, 30 minutes, it went from the Thunder Jazz game got postponed to Rudy Gobert test positive for coronavirus, and everything was just kind of going crazy. And earlier in the day, someone had, like, tweeted this joke. that It wasn't it didn't end up actually being a joke in reality. At the time, it seemed like it, where they mentioned that Rudy Gobert had his media availability on Monday that week. This was on Wednesday. So a couple of days earlier, he had gone around at the end of his media availability and touched everybody's microphones and recorders at his media availability when he left. And so then it was reported on Wednesday that he was questionable with an illness, and then obviously we know what happened. So I spend way too much time on Reddit because it acts as a second set of eyes for me because that way like people will post links and they'll post tweets and they'll post things, and that can help me like kind of find other stuff going on during the night in case I miss something. And someone posted a video of Rudy Gobert touching all the microphones. And I hadn't seen it. I didn't know there was actually video of it. So one of my coworkers is a huge Utah Jazz fan. And I said, hey, like, this is the video, right? Like, I haven't seen this yet. He goes, yeah, that's it. I was like, has this been on TV anywhere? He goes, no. He goes, I hadn't seen it. I was like, all right. So I don't know where this video came from. Um, and it turns out it came from a local station in Utah, which I didn't know at the time. But, you know, I downloaded the video from Reddit. And I tell all the producers at work so that they know that, like, hey, this exists and that this is something that needs to be on all the shows tonight. So I download it, and there's a way that we, like, download stuff and then put it on our servers so that shows can grab it. But it was still on my computer, so I was like, you know, what the heck? I'm going to put this out on Twitter because, you know, I spend way too much time on Twitter also. We and all so do. I never know what I post people are going to pay attention to. Like, sometimes things go crazy. Sometimes they don't. Like, it's just kind of a random uh, luck of the draw, I guess, so to speak. And I just didn't really think it through all that way. So... I tweet this video, and one of our segment producers at work who works at our L.A. office, he retweets it, and he's got a ton of followers, too, because he used to be the Shaq and the Fool guy, Mike Goldfarb. And so he retweets it, and then Kendrick Perkins quote tweets it, and I think in very typical 21st century fashion, his quote tweet was just SMH, and he quote tweets it, and this video just goes crazy. Like, it explodes. It starts getting all of these retweets, quote tweets from like people and like verified users on Twitter and news outlets. The score in Canada picked it up. A couple of other places did. Some conservative newspaper, which was like really uncomfortable for me, but like regardless, like I put it out there. And you know, my night was super busy running around trying to figure out what was going on because we're all in real time trying to figure out what's next, how teams are going to be reacting that night, and what this is going to mean for everyone else. So I'm just kind of like in and out of Twitter. At like 11.30 or midnight, I look, and the video on my Twitter feed has like 8 million views. Whoa. It was like, oh, my God. Like, was not expecting that at all, and it was nuts. 
So eventually I ended up taking the video down because the station reached out to me and asked me to take it down. So I took it down. But like before I did, like I said, it had 8 million views or something like that. So Bruce Arthur, who's a writer for the Toronto Star, wrote this article about how Rudy Gobert and, and how this visible incident kind of changed things for people. And this is what the Toronto Star article says. It says, and then Rudy Gobert, who treated the coronavirus as a joke, tested positive and sports stopped. It resulted in the most significant public acknowledgement in North America that this was an emergency, that the coronavirus outbreak was real. Honestly, said one sports executive sounding drained, Rudy Gobert saved America. He really did. <laughs> so I'm totally taking credit for it, because if I hadn't put the video out there, I don't think it would have put like this public face on how people needed to take this thing seriously and how it became this massive crisis in the United States. And as we all know, like that was two and a half weeks ago now at this point that I don't know about you guys, but for me it has felt more like three months. Yeah. So, and when I say I saved America, I say it tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Like, if I hadn't put the video out there, someone else would have. I just happened to be the, the idiot who was just like, hey, this is interesting. I'm going to put it out on social media. And it just goes to speak just to, like, the incredible power of social media that if one person sees it, they can put it out there, and then suddenly this thing's going to get out and about. And I think it was a totally necessary thing. Like, I think this was yeah. a video that people needed to see because I think people needed to see that this was a very real thing, and I think it did make it real for a lot of people. So, do you think? What do you think about Rudy Gobert in particular? Like, do you think he was kind of scapegoated on this whole thing? Like, how do you think he's been treated? I think that I think that Rudy Gobert deserved a fair amount of criticism for what he did. I think that it was certainly over the top. Like, if people want to criticize Rudy Gobert for treating it like a joke or not taking it seriously or whatever then that's fine, because he definitely acted like an idiot in the way that he handled things, the way that he acted. The people, though, who lash out at him because it was the incident that basically sparked sports shutting down, like, have more perspective in life than that. There are bigger things in life than sports. We all love sports. It's what you guys do on your podcast. We all love it. We love to watch it. But it was a very serious thing that needed to be taken seriously. So if people were scapegoating him for sports shutting down and basketball shutting down, which is definitely what happened in the immediate aftermath, that's like really, really lame. It was going to happen. We were, we were on that road. If it wasn't that, someone at an XFL game would have tested positive or at a college basketball game with all the conference tournaments and everything going on. It was going to happen eventually. And I think in some ways I do kind of I, I agree with the assessment that had Rudy Gobert not done this, or that by doing this rather, Rudy Gobert certainly hastened and sped up a process that was going to happen. And honestly, like for the good of America and everyone in our health and our safety is probably a good thing that it hastened everything shutting down for a while. Dan, I have a, a question and a quick follow-up. When you said you got 8 million views, was that on your Twitter site or was that on ESPN? That was That's my question. It was on my Twitter feed. Like the, When you post a video, there's a view count on it. Uh-huh. And it was just a view count. I don't know if it's people looping. I don't know if it was just like people looping it. I have no idea how that metric works, to be honest with you. But it just tells you like the view count of a video that you post on your Twitter feed. Wow! And and it just it was at like eight million at some point in the night. So yeah, I don't know if it actually got to eight million people, but I'm sure it got to a lot of people. And a lot of news outlets posted it and put it out there too on their websites. So wow, it helped really spread the video around. And again, like I said, like it was a video regardless if I posted it or someone else did. I think it was kind of a necessary thing. Well, I'll tell you what, this podcast. A lot of times we like to uh, promote what. I call, you know, social media superstars, and you get 8 million views on something. You fit right in there, Dan. My follow-up is, uh, did you get a chance to actually see how many additional followers you ended up with? 
Um, I don't know what the number ended up going up to. I probably over the last month, maybe like a hundred more, if that many. Okay. Like people don't tend to follow. The thing that I've learned through social media is people don't really care about the quality of the video or of the content. They just want the content. And they're not going to give people credit for things and people, and nor should they, it's just Twitter or whatever, but like people just want to see stuff. They don't really care where it comes from, who posts it, what the source is. They just want to see the stuff. Like that's part of what the immediacy of Twitter, like that's the draw to it, right? Like we love being on there because we get immediate real-time feedback. When a big play happens, we want to see the gif. We want to see the reactions and those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I didn't really get a huge boost in following, and I don't really care one way or another, like, the more followers you get, the more trouble it is from what I see. You get people following you and bugging you about stuff. But, yeah, I think it was only, like, maybe 100 at most. So I, I kind of did a poor job of introing you right off the top of this interview. Like you, You've already kind of set it up. You're a highlight producer at ESPN up in Bristol. That's where we met. And, so you, and you touched on it a little bit, how crazy that night was. And so down here, we're, you know, we're SEC Network down here in Charlotte. We were about to start. I mean, the SEC tournament was uh, minutes away from tipping off when, you know, they finally canceled it and basically all hell broke loose in the sporting world. And it was kind of the Rudy Gobert stuff that kind of started the snowball. How has, you know, for you, right now we're basically on call because there's no sports going on down here in Charlotte. Kind of how has things, how has this affected your schedule and what you're doing up at ESPN in Bristol? Oh, it's massive. Uh, I'm on call four days a week. I'm working in the office one day a week. I guess technically I'm on call whenever because I'm not really going in, but one day a week. Yeah, my group, like my, my job is specific to sports actually going on. There, I can't work from home, and there's not a whole lot that I can do other than maybe research and pitch some story ideas and things uh, from, my, from my office in my house. Like That's basically the most that I can do. We are highlight producers. We make the highlights of the game. So what we're doing when we're there is we have a bunch of top 10, specialty top 10s. Like so far I've worked on a Giannis top plays from this season, uh, LeBron top career moments, and then a Yankee, new Yankee stadium top 10. So they're kind of like specialized top 10s to mm-hmm. either fit an anniversary or just some kind of random thing. So I do one of those a day with the PA. And then it's a really cool thing that Scott Van Pelt started this senior night thing in which he wanted to salute and shout out senior athletes in high school and college whose senior nights were canceled because sports were canceled in the spring, which is a really cool idea, and people have seemed to take to it. So he kind of does his own thing, and then we cut our own element of it for the other sports centers because his is a little different than the way that we do it. So it's really working on two elements a night when I'm there, and then I kind of go home. I'm in, I go home, and that's that. Like the other day on Friday, I, ca- I counted it up. There were counting the editors. And, and all of the people in the room with me, there were 15 of us total on Friday night when counting the edit staff and all the other people around, there's probably somewhere between like 60 and 80 people in that room on a nightly basis. So we're trying to keep as many people away from the buildings as possible. Most, A lot of the departments that can work from home, all of those people are working from home. We can't, but the production staff of the shows, they're in other buildings when they're doing their thing, we're in our building, and it's just like trying to spread out. So it's it's really weird being in a place where the energy is kind of what drives on a nightly basis, and it's just so quiet all the time. It's definitely a very odd feeling to be there at ESPN, like the worldwide leader in sports, when there are no sports happening. 
Yeah, and I got one final question for you, Dan, kind of in, in reference to that. I know we we all speculate what's going to happen. You know, are we right at the very beginning of this uh, this pandemic? What's going to happen to sports? You know, NBA, when are they going to come back out? And this week, Kurt Herbstreet had an interesting comment that I'm sure brought up a lot of controversy, but he said he doesn't think there's going to be any college football. From where you sit and, you know, different people that you've talked to and your own gut feel – when do you think we're going to get back to normal and what is the normal going to look like in sports? Is college football done or you think it's way too early to speculate on that? I think that people could be mad at Kirk Herbstreit for saying that, but I think it was again, a necessary conversation to start having now. Right. Because like I was thinking about it, if you were to tell people in Tuscaloosa, Alabama or Ann Arbor, Michigan or East Lansing, Michigan or Columbus, Ohio, that, Football season is in jeopardy. If you told them this at the beginning of February, that we need to social distance, we need to start taking this seriously, or football season might go away and that's a 100% seriousness, you think people in those places probably would have taken it a little bit more seriously? Like, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that I think that the interesting thing is nobody here has any idea. Nobody really knows. We are not medical experts. We just do sports. We're all hopeful that things will get going again this summer, but, like, think about the logistics of it, like just from a baseball standpoint, because baseball is getting ready to start. Okay, let's just say, let's hypothetically, let's say May 1st. Uh, we get the all clear, like they say, May 1st, hey, this, this has died down, which I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. But let's say it, it, that's when it dies down, and they say, okay, we can begin again. How long is it going to take baseball players, like pitchers, to get ready to play a season? Like, can they just take a week to get ready? Do they need two weeks? Like, how much time? I think that People, we just we watch on Saturdays, right? We love Saturdays. We love college football, but like the logistics of it are tough, and it takes a lot of finagling. And you need camp, and you need practice time, and you need all of that. So, like this thing needs to be cleared. I think by early June for us to realistically start football season on time. And I don't know that that's going to be the case. I do think that there is a possibility that we are going to see things on a short season. I think it's a possibility that the NBA finals. This year may never happen. I think these are all realistic possibilities because there are the United States is just so massive. We are still trying to figure out everything we can about this virus. We don't really know how to cure this virus yet. And people, as we can see, I just saw like people in Atlanta today, which is my hometown, at one of the Beltline parks, just like tons of people congregating and working out and doing all that. It's going to be a while, and I do think that there's a very realistic possibility that we could see football season shortened, start late, uh, whatever, however you want to define, like, what those possibilities are. Like, it's a very real possibility if things don't change, and I don't think anyone has any idea yet when it's going to, and that's kind of a scary thought. No, that's that's spot on, and I definitely agree with you. I I think hopefully maybe that conversation you start you want to use the word threatened, that there's going to be no football season. Like you said, maybe that will make people – Take it a little more seriously. I hope what I'm holding on to, uh, what you said, I'll take a shortened season. Uh, if there's no season, that, that's going to be pretty terrible. I'll take a shortened season if that's kind of the, the compromise, I guess. But one one question before we get you out of here, Dan. Have you watched the Tiger King? <laughs> I have. Me and my and... girlfriend binge watched it. I, I heard about it last late last week. Obviously, there's nothing else going on. So last Saturday, we watched all, what, seven episodes of it in one, one day. Plowed through it. And so what initial thoughts, or what are your thoughts on Joe Exotic? Um, I think that he is, while he's entertaining, 
I think it's this really dangerous thing that they tried to paint him as the sympathetic figure at the end of it because he's not a good person. He's manipulative. He's bad. He's a narcissist. And he took advantage of people like his husbands. He basically used drugs to lure them in. He didn't treat people very well. He was very vindictive, as we obviously the part of the reason why he's in jail. Uh, it's an incredibly engrossing story and fascinating to watch and admittedly very funny at times. Um, but, yeah, man, he's a very complex figure. And I think the problem with the documentary is that, like, none of those people were good. Like, is he worse than Doc Antle? No. But, like, they tried to make him sort of sympathetic in the end, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of bizarre. Uh, but the whole show, if you have, if your audience hasn't seen it, like, stop what you're doing, stop whatever you're binge-watching, and watch Tiger King. It is, at the very least, probably the most entertaining thing I've seen in a long time. Uh, but certainly I think it's a little problematic in cases, but who mm-hmm. cares? We're all stuck inside with nothing better to do, and it's pretty amazing to watch. <laughs> well, Dan, uh, definitely check out our pod because we're going to break it down in depth coming up so uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time out and joining us brought a lot of stuff to the podcast that uh, we really enjoyed and again for all our listeners out there tell them where they can catch up with you uh yeah you can just follow me on twitter uh at dan weiner w-e-i-n-e-r uh i'm tweeting a lot of nonsense because i'm bored just like everyone else but yeah that's really it and i'll throw a plug like hey watch sports center it's what i do uh it's a little different right now admittedly but you know, we're trying to carry on and give people a little bit of a distraction every, you know, hour that we do. So, you know, check us out, 11 o'clock on ESPN. Just, you know, watch it whenever you can. We're not going to do a whole lot of serious stuff there. Like, we'll report the news, but we're just trying to give you a little bit of a distraction. So if you check that out, that would be great, too. Awesome. All right, Dan, thanks for the time. As always, we'll check in with you down the road. And uh, way to save America. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Yep. See you later. All right, that was outstanding. Really a good conversation with Dan, and we do appreciate his time. We're going to give you our thoughts and uh, have a special entertainment tonight featuring Tiger King. But before we get to our conversation, just a reminder, step up and help one of our great partners. I was in there Friday night for some of their great Friday night fish. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar and restaurant of Three Point Podcast. They're open for food and beer takeout, including a wide variety of craft brews and growlers. They're there for us. Be there for them. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. And everybody likes a great deal, right? Well, speaking of helping our friends, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and sign up for all their notifications, email notifications, or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. Well, fellas, we kind of did a little homework getting ready for this special entertainment tonight, and we're going to start right out with Tiger King. She was a rich woman. She had rich taste. She felt the blood running through her veins. She liked the life she had. She loved her big cats and the beauty of being a who wants to start the convo here? I think you're chomping at the bit. You can't stop, seem, seemingly can't stop talking about this show, even before we were I was, recording. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, Jared, is he just like grinning from ear to ear right now? <laughs> yeah, he actually literally is. Kind of am. <laughs> I mean, I was telling Jared off air before we started recording that 
you know, my wife and I watched the first episode and, you know, she's a very, how do I want to say it? She's, she's not into violence or, you know, animal cruelty or whatever. So we watched the first episode together and she pretty much made it clear she was bailing out. And I said, Hey, hon, uh, you're going to want to watch any more of this because I do. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I went down into my man cave and crunched out, I think, the next four episodes right in a row before I took <laughs> yeah. a break. So that's, that's like literally probably like five hours. Four, four or five hours, yeah. And, you know, after that first episode, it's a little bit slow getting, yeah. you, getting you sucked in, I think. Would you guys agree I think that? episode two is where it really kind of kicks off. I agree. I agree. And I guess I'll start this part of the conversation off. And really... This is our podcast. There are no, there are, there's no reason why we can't talk about it. You know, spoiler alerts, throw those out the window, right? If anybody doesn't want to listen to us break down Tiger King, hold off listening to the rest of this till you get a chance to. Yeah, I'd agree. Because we got to talk about it. All right. I'm going to tell you right now, and I want to ask your guys' opinions. What, what was your favorite scene in the seven parts of Tiger King? What was your very first, fav, very favorite scene? The best scene, uh, without a doubt, is when. Uh, Joe Exotic goes into the cage and someone put like some sort of scent on him <laughs> where, the tigers, where the tigers would attack him. And then they go to Carol Baskin, who basically said, like, explains, oh, no, like if I wanted to kill him, I would have covered sardine him in oil. sardine oil. And she said it kind of matter of factly. And I just thought that was kind of funny. It was like. Yeah, you probably would know how to kill like somebody if you really wanted to. But I just thought that was kind of funny how there's no way the Tigers would ever turn on him unless he had like something put on him on purpose. How about you, Matt? What was your favorite scene if you got one? Uh, that was the, uh, That's the one I was going to say because of the whole Carol Baskin thing. She just kind of slipped that in that she knew what to do, <laughs> you know, if you wanted the Tigers to eat somebody because, yeah, there's that whole, uh, I don't know, mystery, I guess, around how her husband just disappeared um, where do we stand? Do we think she killed him, had him killed, drugged him, dropped him in the Atlantic Ocean or the Gulf of Mexico? Like, what do you guys think? What's your, if you had to make a prediction or whatever, what happened? I'm kind of like everybody. I mean, she killed him and fed him to the tigers. That's what I think. You think that she actually did be, I mean, there's a lot of things that it really doesn't make sense why it's like they didn't really look into it. Oh, her brother is on the police force. Um, they never found the body 20 years, like all this stuff was leading up. Oh, it just happens that in the contract, if he goes disappearing, which is never in a contract, then he, she still gets all of his money. It's right. like, it's cheap. I mean, what a job she did by covering it up. Really? I think it's pretty clear that she, I did think we all something. think she killed him, right? Maybe she specifically didn't kill him, but she knows what happened to him. Yeah. I think she, she definitely knows what happened to him. And like the one thing that it, it was, this show was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Like, you almost like can't take any of it seriously. It's just so wild. The thing that like I'm not going to use the word bother because I wasn't like like I said I wasn't like watching the show seriously. But the one thing that I was just like bugged me I guess through the whole show was how she was like you know because she was talking about saving the the tigers and taking them to her sanctuary to save them and you know she was working with PETA and you know doing all that stuff. But like the whole time I'm sitting there thinking and Joe Exotic talked about it a few times how she was just as bad as any of them. She was, okay, she was taking the Tigers, but, like, her cages and stuff like that were probably worse than Joe Exotics or definitely that doc dude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they talked about how she was, like, getting volunteers to do all her work for her, so she wasn't paying them. And then this new husband that she had, he was as wacko as any of them. (laughs) Like, 
that was the one thing through the whole show that was like bugging me the whole time. How they, she was almost like trying to play the sympathy card and like laughing about Joe Exotic trying to kill her and she was trying to save the kittens. And I was like, "You're just as bad as any of them." Yeah, it's kind of funny how they all had they all had quite a racket going oh with their workforces. God. I mean, you had yeah. Joe Exotic paying 125 bucks a week for like 80 hours, <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a dollar an hour. These guys are getting paid. They're eating Walmart meat and living in freaking rat infested trailers. And then you had. Uh, Carol Baskin, they're all volunteers. Like, what a system they had going. People, like, 100 people just coming in and volunteering to work there. And then Doc Annell had, like, uh, I don't know, it's like a sex call or something oh, where it was, like, actually, like, pretty good-looking girls are, like, working for free for just these tigers. Out of all of them, I think uh, Doc, he's my hero. He, <laughs> he had the harem going. He had it figured out for sure. Uh, you know, and i got to jump in real quick before I forget my favorite scene without a question, it's kind of sad to say it, but was the funeral scene. And when, uh, you know, the Tiger King's giving the eulogy there and talking about his husband's balls, how he liked to put them on his face. And it was just unbelievable. I don't remember that scene. I was dozed off during that one. He was talking about how sweet his balls were. <laughs> yep, he was talking about that. And then he started singing one of his songs. Yeah. It wasn't, the, brought, yeah, one of the scenes. The mom on and, and the mom was like, he was just making this into a performance for him. That was pretty. It was that was a little awkward to watch. Yeah, it was definitely one of the scenes that it wasn't funny, but it was just kind of like what the hell was when the guy, like his you know his boyfriend or his husband or whatever or I don't really know what what exactly he was like the guy that ended up killing himself. Now he's one of the husbands. There was when, a three way yeah, wedding when he <laughs> like killed himself and the the campaign manager who. Like was basically just an electronics employee at Walmart who then came out and like ran his campaign, and he's just like sitting there like it was like home alone, like it was his fa- like hands on his cheeks, like just staring at it. Like, he sat there for like, like what? what a scene that was like a jaw dropping scene. That wasn't was. it? Yeah, what, it was. It was one of those deals. Said, yeah, he even said like it's not like the movies, and I was just after he said that, and you know they were showing the security footage. I was waiting for them to like show something else. I was like, as crazy as this show is. They're about to show, like, the body. They're yeah. about to do something ridiculous. But, yeah, it was kind of funny. Like, you, speaking of that dude being a campaign manager, how wild is it that Joe Exotic first, like, ran for president or was going to, then he ran for governor of Oklahoma, and he actually got, like, 19% of the vote. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, he put up a yeah, pretty good vote. Yeah. That's pretty respectable. <laughs> right. I mean, he he definitely made a name for himself, and he knew how to play it. You know, the self-promotion thing, I mean, he was dead on. And you talked about Carol Baskin. She really played the social media thing up big time. I mean, she was making big bucks from advertisers, I think, on her Facebook site, wasn't she? Yeah. I I wonder why they only had tigers at, like, this place. Like, I know, like, Joe Exotic had, like, alligators that supposedly he didn't kill when like all of, and by the way when all of that like equipment and like all the footage that that guy had spent like three years or who's kind of a weirdo in his own right the filmmaker and like it all got burned up i mean how do you not like we've done pod how many podcasts have we done here where we feel devastated when we do a whole show and we realize we didn't even record it and so it's like <laughs> i can only imagine what it was like i can only imagine what it's like when he does he's there for three years you know having to be around joe exotic and all those characters for three years and then he just loses it all i was going to ask matt a, a specific question about rick kirkman the the producer yeah. you're talking about have you ever worked with anybody that was even remotely like that dude i mean maybe not that uh extreme but there's definitely i mean it, it's no secret the tv the media business jared you're probably getting a taste of it there's some there's some characters who work in in the television business or the movie business and he's definitely one of them i did see 
so there was a, there was a thread on Twitter. He's uh, blinking on his name right now. I can look, but he he knows. There's this guy in Oklahoma. He knows Joe Exotic. He's an author, and he did a podcast about this the Joe Exotic the Netflix series. And like I don't know if they were necessarily friends or just they knew each other, but um, he he has a thread of all this stuff. These like backstories, trivia, or whatever about Joe Exotic. And one thing about that producer, he said, so after the, the trailer burned, all of his footage burned, he moved to Dallas, Texas, and, like, shortly after that, his house burned down with him in it, <laughs> and he, like, almost died. So then he, like, moved over to Norway or something to just get away. So there, there's a bunch of other arson in, instances, like, with former colleagues of Joe Exotic. Like, there, there's definitely some shady business going on and just like speaking of that like the jeff Lowe guy where they talked about how he acted like he had money but where the hell did he actually get all of his money i think it was inheritance from his his father was like a carnival guy with tigers or something like that and he had another like kind of classic uh, oh, yeah. strategy when you take the baby cubs to like vegas and he was luring girls with the like the cubs or whatever is there a better animal can you imagine a better animal than i mean they're so cute you look at them like if you could like have a tiger cub that just stayed a cub stayed like a cub, its yeah. entire life and you just had like a 10 pound tiger as like a basically like a dog or a cat like i just think that would be the best animal in the world hell no doubt that's what's, that's what's crazy is i don't know if you guys knew this before watching that show but i couldn't believe that what was the stat they threw up at the end there's there was like four thousand tigers in the wild right now but there's like what they say eight to ten thousand in captivity in the u.s alone yeah yeah. No, I've heard that. It's like I think I it's just no Texas idea. alone. Well, I think there's more in captivity by far than is in the wild, right? Yeah, that's, it was like 4,000 in the wild and 10,000 in captivity. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so kind of easy to just get your hands on one and start and kind of open up one of these operations. Right. Well, I'll tell you what though, uh Joe Exotic hired some some real keepers for his employees, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the th- I mean yeah, it, like speaking of the racket, right? He would go to what they even admitted it like Former like prisoners, or he just like, find people on the side of the road. Yeah, who he he could pay 125 bucks a week and give them a little trailer to live in or whatever. But I mean, he definitely. Do you guys think you mentioned the burning all that footage? Like, you think he burned that, set that fire? I think so. I mean, because it was it was, was going to get subpoenaed. Hired someone to do it or something. Yeah, I mean, I think so because I mean, it was going to get subpoenaed. Is what it yeah. is what was going to happen? And, yeah. That that lawsuit, I appreciated the lawsuit that was going back and forth because it was so stupid. How it was he basically what took the big cat rescue and added entertainment to the end of it, like clearly ripping it, it off. It was clever and <laughs> <laughs> clearly ripping it off. And they, Carol Baskin, like they're both going bankrupt trying to sue each other, and it's just like they have such a grudge that it's like I don't care if I if I go under, like you're going down. Now, there a side to you guys that that feels like. Like, at the end, almost a little sorry for Joe Exotic. Like, he almost got set up. I mean, he's definitely, he's not a good person. But, like, you know, he's serving whatever it was, 22 years in jail. Oh, he served 22. He got a little set up for, uh, with that, like, attempted murder. 
Yeah, I think a little bit. And it, I think it was intentional the way they, they ended it. That you did feel a little sympathetic for him. I'm, I'm going to say a little bit. Now, if I was had any dealings with him, probably not. But yeah. but the way the documentary set it up, yeah, I think a little bit. I think that I think Carol Baskin is an evil witch. I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And it's kind of the scene where they're talking about how, like, oh, it's not even possible to have, like, grinded up my husband in the meat grinder. Like, right. I could only fit his wrist in there or something. I just thought that was kind of funny. And how about the Walmart meat where oh, that's yeah. like what the tigers and, and the pizza where they, they open up the pizza restaurant and that's, that was the meat they used. Unbelievable. For their, and they picked pizzas. through what they wanted to put in their yeah. refrigerators. Oh. I mean, my God, it tells you how poor these poor meth heads were. I mean, yeah. it, it was sad and it was really sad in a lot of ways, but it was also just absolutely fascinating television without a doubt. Okay. Time now. What do you guys it's fascinating? Uh, just I don't know if we're moving on. Oh no, we'll still talk about it a little bit. I had a couple other questions for you guys. Yeah. Favorite character? I mean, it's Joe Exotic. I, it definitely, it's Joe Exotic because it's kind of funny how you say like, oh, like it, the whole thing. It's kind of like how he just wants to be like famous, and he kind of got that. It's kind, it's kind of ironic how after the fact he's in prison and like they just dropped this documentary that he kind of got what he always wanted. How about you, Matt? Character, yeah, favorite character is kind of tough. I mean, yeah, Joe Exotic, he was hard to beat. Character, um, I think the the chicks, what's her name, Staff, the one who got her arm mauled off, right? She he probably the most level headed person in the whole thing. I mean, I, like got her arm mauled off, and then what went back to work? What they say, seven days later, five days later, and it was just like no thoughts of lawsuit or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'd all would have to say throw out Joe Exotic. Then who's your favorite character? Because I would, I like, I like this uh, Eric Crowley. I guess is his name, the long-haired guy that was sitting there smoking yeah. cigarettes and going, "Man, this motherfucker doesn't know anything." <laughs> <laughs> he just was telling it like it is, but he just rolled with the flow. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a good guy. And what what do you? Say? He had to go show up in court. That was the first time he like. Yeah. Business attire or something. <laughs> and then he did the interview afterwards, was just telling them like it was. Yeah. yeah I, I also, I love the, like the ultimate petty move by Joe Exotic. Once he got to jail, he told his, his new husband, go to the storage unit and let's spill all the beans. Let's throw everyone under the bus. I'm going to start working with PETA. Let's just, let's start burning everyone down. I, I thought that's like the ultimate Petty move. Yes. My other, my probably my favorite character was uh, he's a guy who like didn't have any like tea. I can't think of his name, but I think he ended up like he was Joe Exotic's husband for a little bit or boyfriend or something. John Finlay. We had his shirt. He always had his shirt off. Yeah. And it was just kind of funny how he's like he's like yeah like all of a sudden the the, the like they do the scene where he has to say like I own the zoo or whatever and, and he like couldn't really say it and it's kind of funny how he like they kind of screwed him over where they put it in his name and now all this debt was getting piled onto him. I think that I think the pivotal moment where I had to stick with the show was when he first showed up on the screen, like you said, with his shirt off, with that no teeth grin and the <laughs> tattoo above his dick that says property of Joe, <laughs> Joe exotic. I mean, <laughs> come on. And, and Joe exotic was so amazing. He took two straight dudes and turned them gay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I saw, I saw someone say that, uh, that guy's teeth were they. His teeth were actually following the social distancing laws. <laughs> 
you know, I also was going to say, you know, this show, this is kind of a generational thing. Back in my back in my day, uh, you know, this was a show you would call a water cooler show. You know, you showed up at work the next day and people are congregating around the water cooler talking about last night's episode. Well, it would be in today's day and age, kind of the Twitter episode, right? Because the different tweets that are out there are unreal. Yeah. So that's the thing. I do you think that this show is is it that good, or is it just the fact that everyone's home? We have nothing to do. It's it's like we have to do something. So this and and it just happens that it got posted on Netflix. You know, right at like the perfect time. Well, it was the perfect time, but I I, I think I made a comparison to making of a murderer, and it was kind of the same kind of. Uh, I don't want to call it hysteria, but the same kind of publicity when that one came out, you know, that people had to just see the episode and we're talking about it the next day. This is just one of those things in pop culture. Yeah, it did hit at the right time because it's probably going to have more views on Netflix maybe than any series they've ever had because of this lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, I saw there's like a, there's going to be a TV series coming out around I think it's based around Carol Baskin, so I don't know if that's happening like because of it, the success. I, I mean, yeah, it's probably partly because everyone's stuck at home, and then everyone's talking about it, so so people are going out to watch it because of that. But I think it's just it, it's one of the, it's like a guilty pleasure type of watch. Like it's ridiculous. I don't know. It's you know you feel bad, like you said, the, how poor some of these people were and situation that a lot of people were living in you know but like it's a guilty pleasure it's, it's entertainment the music is ridiculous <laughs> you know the stuff they talk about the tigers and all that i don't know like it's i think it's pretty good it's probably not as good as some people are making it out to be but you know it's pretty good but it also like it made me think how crazy it is that you know you kind of get stuck in your like your social circle your community or whatever but like there is there are so many people living certain lives or living, you know, in their communities completely different than maybe what you would expect. Like, I don't know. I didn't know there was this tiger community like that. Like these zoos guys just opening up zoos with tigers. I didn't even know that was something that existed. Yeah. And did you catch the cost of admission to get into to some of this? It was like, like, like 400 bucks. right? Exactly. Oh, was it? I didn't even see that. Yeah. Oh, and I also, maybe enlighten our listeners, this was a fact that that you brought up off air that I wasn't aware of, because I made the comment to Jared and you that, you know, that, uh, that Joe Exotic had a pretty good singing voice for those videos, but there's a little backstory to that, isn't there? Yeah, I, I was thinking the whole time watching when they would show some of the music videos, I, I said to my wife a number of times, I was like, there's no way that's him singing. Well, I, I mentioned that thread earlier from that reporter... Um, in Oklahoma who knew or knows Joe Exotic, he said that the, the music is not Joe Exotic. He writes the songs, and then it's, he has some band or you know some group that records them for him. So, And then he makes the ridiculous music videos of Carol Baskin feeding <laughs> her husband to tigers in a song named Here Kitty Kitty. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, that, that's not Joe Exotic singing. Because, yeah, it, I mean, it's... And like you, you said off air, Ted, like the music videos are well produced. The songs are actually like they sound good. The lyrics are ridiculous. But yeah, like they're pretty legit. So there's no way. I, there's no way I thought it was actually him singing though. Yeah, I thought it was Tim McGraw singing that one song, sitting up there on the big old pickup truck that he was singing. Uh, one final thing on this, I got a couple things I want to get into about maybe some of our 
viewing habits. This is really a Twitter thing, and I shared a I shared a, a tweet from BuzzFeed that had a whole bunch of people that tweeted out there different funny things. And just earlier today, I saw one that just actually did make me laugh out loud. It was a tiger taking a dump and somebody posted that's carol baskin's husband and that, that was pretty funny <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the twitterverse man. i loved it <laughs> that's that's just another day in these streets <laughs> all right do we anything else on tiger king boys no no i definitely i definitely would recommend it i do think it might be a little bit just kind of there's nothing else, else to watch right now but i do think that it is worth a watch definitely. right well since this is what seven episodes like 45 minutes each yeah you can knock it out pretty quick i agree you know nothing else to do definitely even if you're turned off maybe on the first episode stick with it watch at least episode two and then uh, make your decision i would say but i i i thought it was definitely uh gripping to say the very least for a lot of different reasons now guys before we wrap up this podcast uh you know since last time we met it's been a week have you been watching any specific shows any movies i know you've been doing a lot of call of duty stuff the thing that i don't understand that's been becoming popular and i see it on bleacher report it's like they're doing like Madden simulations and like putting betting lines on it. And mm-hmm. I, if you ever see me watching a simulation of a, like a video game, or I know like NASCAR is doing like these virtual races, that's kind of cool. Like I think it would be kind of cool if because the, ra- the, the racers are actually places. doing them, right? Yeah, the racers are actually doing them. That's why it's cool. Like I think it would be really cool if like the two K, like we saw, you know, I don't know, LeBron James playing, yeah, whoever, Giannis or something in two K, which I'm sure LeBron's probably not that good because he has a he has a life, yeah, unlike somebody like me who just plays. <laughs> all day but let me let me give you guys my sales pitch on why i think you need to get into the video game realm during this quarantine so me and my buddies there's 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 13 of us okay we all got madden and what we do is that as we we all get our own team in 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 this online dynasty is what it's called where we each pick our team so my team is the los angeles rams another person controls the detroit lions another person controls the pittsburgh steelers and we play each other and you play the computer when you're not playing one of the user teams you you run the entire team you choose who your coach is you choose your offensive scheme you draft your teams you draft your players so it's like i have russell wilson on the los angeles rams and we play each other and we each control our own team and i think it's it's really cool it's really fun and we all just get on these like chat parties and there's like 13 of us talking and playing each other and i I don't know i think it's just kind of cool it's a little bit better than just watching tv all day i think is it that that, the online dynasty things are awesome we used to do that with the ncaa football games the best games ever in the history of video games but we used to do that in college on the online dynasties with the ncaa football and yeah it's a blast and yeah it would be really cool to do right now if you got you know, a good group of buddies who are going to actually play. You know, you can, like you said, you can chat. You're playing against some of them, so you're talking while you're playing against each other. Um, yeah, that's fun. Even, like, you, you play a lot of Call of Duty, you can play online with your buddies playing Call of Duty and just, you know, talk to each other and stuff while you're playing. So, now there, there is stuff. There is something to that, picking up. I just, man, I have fallen. I know, I think you tweeted it out, Jared, when you got um, Call of Duty, but the last time, I went and got, I forget which one, I went and rented. So I was like, I just want to even see if I can even play this anymore. I hopped online, and I was getting smoked. <laughs> I mean, I, yep. I got on, and I used to be, like, in college, I played quite a bit. I used to be pretty decent, and, man, I was just getting smoked. It was terrible. So, like, I don't even know if I would, I mean, Madden, yeah, I could pick that up, or MLB The Show, maybe play that, but. 
I don't know how much time I could put in. Well, is that the thing? I mean, you got to put the time in to be any good. Yeah, at I mean, it, even right? me, I haven't played video games in probably like five years. And pretty much the only reason I even got it now is because just stay in touch with my friends. Right. I mean, I've talked to them more now almost than I did like when I was at school or whatever. Uh, and I was able to go places. So, but, but yeah, you, there's definitely a learning curve, even for me. Like, I can't imagine, Ted, what it's oh. like for you going from Galaga to like to the man 20. It's a, it's a hopeless cause. This is what I, what, yeah, what I compared it to is like, it's like Red uh, in, or no, Brooks, Brooks in Shawshank Redemption. When he's, you know, he finally gets out of prison, he just can't ad- adopt to the new life. It's, right. it's just a new life now. Yep. Now, are either one of you, okay, you're playing some video games, but are you watching anything in specific that you would recommend to our listeners to maybe check out here in the next week or while this hibernation continues? Um, once, I, yeah, go, you can go ahead, Matt, if you have something right there. Uh, I, was, I think I brought it up before, but my wife and I started watching Shameless mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago at this point, but it's a good show. Uh, there's like... 10 seasons, 11 seasons or something, and like 12 to 14 episodes per season. And it's just one of those, not a, like, it's a pretty ridiculous show. Like, the stuff that goes on, it is maybe a little graphic. If you don't like sex, drugs, swearing, you probably don't want to watch it. But um, it's like you can just sit down and watch two or three episodes, and, like, you don't have to think much while you're watching it. It's just funny and ridiculous. So, I don't know. If you're looking for something like that, I would recommend watching Shameless. Yeah, you know, there's no wrong answers here because everybody, everybody, you know, enjoys different things. You know, I'm gonna definitely like shows that you guys aren't gonna like, but you know, our listeners, I think they can take it with a grain of salt. And you know, I'm gonna tell you some shows I know Jared probably laugh at, but on Netflix, there's one I've been watching. It stars Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. It's called The Kaminsky Method. I don't know if you've heard of that show, but it's about these two old codgers, actually older than me, and it's really, really well written. And you know, Michael Douglas is an excellent actor. I would recommend for anybody in my age group, if you have Netflix, check out The Kaminsky Method. Three seasons so far, you can easily get through it, and it's very entertaining. Um, You know, Matt, you had set me up on New Girl. I never saw that the first time around. It's actually a pretty good show. I like to, sometimes I'll get on my treadmill and watch it. You can bang out 25 minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. How about that? You were prepared. Nice. Can watch a nice 25-minute episode, you know, and get the blood boiling a little bit. Also, my wife, you know, I like to watch stuff with her, and also on Netflix, the original The Gilmore Girls. I know that sounds a little femmy, yeah. but it's actually pretty well done. I don't know if you've yeah. ever had a chance to watch that. No, I, I mean, I've heard about it. I know a lot of people, like, that's something my parents would probably watch. They would. They would watch if we weren't home. Me and my brothers, like I said, it's probably why, one of the reasons why they hate us coming home. Right. They get to watch their own stuff. But the one show that I do like a lot, and that's Ozark. Oh, um, I've been thinking Jason about Bateman. starting I, you definitely. I think you would definitely be right Laura Dern, his wife in that, is, I believe. I don't believe she is actually. Oh, okay. Laura Dern is like from Jurassic Park, correct? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not her. Okay. Um. So see, yeah, season three just dropped on Friday, and basically, I'll give like a quick rundown of what it's about. It's Jason Bateman, and he's basically it's sort of like a Breaking Bad type thing where the, he finds himself in these horrible scenarios, and he always like thinks himself like out of it. I, and love, I, I Jason love those Bateman. shows. He's an awesome actor, and he's he's just he's a money money launderer in uh, okay. this show in in Ozark uh, or in the Ozarks, I think is what they're called. So it's a great show. I definitely recommend it, but definitely start from season one. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, and that's on Netflix as well, right? Yes. Oh, I'll definitely check it out. Any other ones, Matt, yeah, I, I've, on I've your heard, list? I've heard that Ozark is amazing, or Ozark. Um, it's pretty, there's some pretty, like, intense scenes, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's gripping. It, it's, it, like, I, I would, uh, I can't, it's a lot like Breaking Bad. It's kind of what I would compare it to. Well, speaking of Breaking Bad on AMC, Better Call Saul, yeah. I think that's, 
as good as Breaking Bad myself. Yeah, a lot I'm, of I'm a love Saul it. Goodman fan, I, and you know, it's right in the middle of I think season four or five right now and you know i'm a i'm a child of tv i mean i'm a tv fanatic and yeah i do have to take a break after four or five hours in front of the two but i there's so many great shows out there that i'm going to be getting into westworld has another uh season out on hbo um Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. another season. I'm going to be checking that out. So there, there's a lot of good stuff. One final one for, you know, if you want to watch with your wife and you're in my age group, it's on Amazon Prime called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you guys heard of that one? I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, you probably wouldn't like it, but people my age group would. It's very, very well done, and it's put together by the producers of the Gilmore Girls. Go figure. So those are just a few of the ones that uh, that I'll be checking out. And also, uh, we're watching Homeland on Showtime. That, that's very well done. That's, I think that's in season eight or nine right now. And that's about the CIA and you know mm-hmm. what goes on overseas. So very good stuff. All right, anything else in entertainment, boys? I, I would just say one thing, you know, everything's kind of doom and gloom. There are some potential silver linings to, like, sports being canceled. Okay. Know? Like, a few things I've seen is potentially the Kentucky Derby could be run on September 5th if college football season is back. I mean, talk about a loaded Saturday. Um, the NBA season, like, we could finally see that, and a lot of people have been saying this, we could finally see the change I think we all want, which is for opening day to be Christmas Day. Uh, and then the thing I'm most looking forward to is maybe the MLB will finally shorten their season. Yeah, let's let's end this podcast with a little discussion on what you're bringing up. What is the world of sports? We we asked Dan that. What what are we looking at? What do you think's going to happen? You think the NBA is done for this season and they'll just restart the next season in December? Do you think we're going to see football? Is baseball? You know, I I read a latest thing because they all want to get paid, right? I mean, Major League Baseball players have big salaries. They want to play a full season or as close to a full season as they can. I've been seeing the latest proposal and it was agreed on with the players right now at least verbally was uh you know they plan on finishing the baseball season right around the holidays and play uh, you know the the playoffs and the world series in a warm weather venue or uh you know a dome stadium uh you know on a neutral field what do you think about that i think i mean that to me just sounds ridiculous like just think about a, a series in detroit like over thanksgiving or in mid-December. Like I know, like you said, the, the playoffs and stuff would be in Arizona or down in Tampa or something like that. But Well, they'd even have to play know. the regular season. They couldn't play baseball in November and December. I mean, they just couldn't. Right. That, right. So I, I think kind of like what Jared said, maybe, maybe this is the, the kick in the butt that MLB needs in the season because we've, we've talked about it before. It's probably – I know the baseball purists don't want that to happen, but there's no reason – you don't have to play 162 games anymore. If you're trying to get some people back into the game or new fans into the game, 162 games isn't necessary. So maybe if you play a shortened season this year and it goes well, then maybe, yeah, that's going forward they might look into that. But kind of like what Dan said, the, the thing that I've talked about with my friends or coworkers and stuff, and that's like I feel like other people have talked about it too, but you, know, you have to give these, whether it's football, baseball, or the NBA – you have to give these teams time to like get back into it. You can't just like if all of a sudden say July 4th or beginning of July, they say, you know, things are safe. Maybe there's not a vaccine, but you know, things have leveled off. We we feel very safe about where we're at with this coronavirus. You're still like, you got to give teams a few weeks or a month to practice and get back into it. Right. Right. Oh, you do for sure. I don't think you have to maybe have the length of time 
that I think Dan was talking about. I mean, college football, realistically, to get ready for a football season, do they really need to have any more than what they have in high school football? I mean, realistically, if, if everybody is playing with the same playbook, you know, everybody has to go by the same rules, even if, even if they have just uh, three weeks to a month and then kick off the first game, why couldn't they do that? I mean, you could. The thing that I feel like you might run into are injuries. I mean, people just might not be in, like, good condition. They might not be ready for a full schedule. So that's the only thing I think about. I mean, yeah, like, if everyone, like you said, everyone's using the same playbook and under the same rules, then I guess, you know, you'd see what happens. But I don't know. I I feel like if there is so much money already being lost, you know, the TV networks and the conferences and – and the teams and everything, and, you know, the Olympics got postponed and obviously March Madness and all this stuff happening. They're going to do everything they can to at least have an eight-game college football season or something. Cause oh, without a doubt. A lot of money being lost. Yeah, and you talked about baseball. You know, I, I think a shortened season is the only way they can go right now, huh. even if they go with, uh, you know, no fans in the stands for the first month. You know, something along you those lines. You know what would be sort of cool? What if the college football season, what if they just, like you said, like it gets truncated, they just said, okay, we're only going to play our co- our conference schedules. That'd be I think all that'd right be, with me. Like, I mean, you just had no idea how these teams like match up with each other until like the until the bowl season comes around. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy time we're in, and you know that's what we're looking at. And you, you talked about the, what you say, the Kentucky Derby moved to Potentially September? Potentially September 5th, yeah. I, I think I just saw today the Indy 500 has been moved to late August, mm-hmm. officially. So we, if football season, if we are officially back, like let's say we're back, you know, start of August or something, we could have one hell of a like sports run for for a few months there well you know what boys we deserve it this country would deserve it can you imagine coming off this pandemic that you know has left uh, a lot of people dead very ill and the economy in shambles hopefully we'll bounce back from that very quickly a lot of experts are saying i hope so but can you imagine this fall when we hopefully get back to normal and like you said packing all these sports in there i think we'll have enough to talk about on this podcast yeah you can say oh, that it would again. be the it would be a ratings bonanza when sports come back absolutely or people who are like casual fans or even people who aren't fans will watch the nba playoffs or college football or nfl or something just because you're sick of watching the new girl or you know whatever <laughs> shows you're watching on netflix you just want to watch something else it'll be insane it Especially really like the kentucky derby people will tune in to the kentucky derby like it, it it would be wild and like you said we deserve it i mean people hate on sports say it's insignificant it doesn't matter or whatever but sports i mean it's a big part of our culture and it's you know it's entertainment and it's a good like escape from the real world or whatever like imagine if they were able to play baseball right now I, you, people would be watching baseball to forget about all this garbage that's going on. Well, good comparison before we wrap this up. I mean, back in World War II, you know, a lot of the lot of the stars, in fact, most of the stars in Major League Baseball, uh, you know, were in the service, you know, fighting World War II. And baseball, they, they kept alive. You know, they maybe didn't have the top quality they did before all the stars went to the war, but it was a diversion, you know, people got to listen to the games on the radio, read about it in the newspaper, take their mind off the terrible time they were going through. And I think we're going to be looking at the same thing here. Yeah. Yep. 
All right, guys, uh, that's uh, that's another podcast. I think we had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, anytime you can talk Tiger King, I think we're we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up. We'll call it a pod for now. Everybody out there listening, make sure you subscribe. Rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Send us your comments on topics or guest suggestions to at 3PointPod. Support our 3Point Podcast partners. Tell them you listen in, and we certainly do appreciate them. Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, the Corona Public Schools, and ProMec Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our network friends at Sports Radio Detroit. And special thanks to Dan Weiner for checking in with us, talking about uh, the beginning with Rudy Gobert and how he got that online. Good conversation with him. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. And everybody, stay safe out there. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Jump in it hard away. Jump in it hard away. In the skillet with the magic. Living lavish, yeah. my phone with the see what's fast. Yeah. If I ain't eating, then I'm fasting. Yeah, fatty bottle coop, jerk to see if I can fit in. Yeah, it didn't work, so I gave it to one of my. I should have took out a bit for real. Get yeah, what I did. Uh, woke up the next day, went by the bit. Oh, me and my kid. Yeah, I took the heart away. Didn't know how to sell. I was giving that heart away. So, if I had to borrow play, that took my heart away. But I've been through hard days. I was just in New York in the home. Looking for strawberries. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with the. They took my heart away. Pouring liquor for my nigga that gone. Thug holiday. Don't it hard away. Hard away. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with the. They took my heart away. Hard away. Hard away. Shot JT Penny. Yeah. Now I go up in Lenny. Spend a few hundreds on Penny. Yeah. Ever since I can remember, since elementary, all I wanted was me. I used to steal from my grandma, I'm a changer. Just the flesh on them little bitty bitches. I be out at the street light. Deep in my street light. My block was hot before the wine was tuned. I ain't even kept my baby G night. Before Titty Boy had turned to two chain. Had a duffel bag with a few things. Before I rode with Gucci in the Moussane. Ran with Ghostface, Killers, Wu Tang. Yeah. I took the hard away. Didn't know how to sell. I was giving that heart away. Nope, so, I had to borrow play. That took my heart away. But I've been through hard days. That I was just on rest road with the heart before this heart away. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. Twelve put me over, coming with it. The, they took my heart away. Pouring liquor for my nigga that gone. Thug holiday. Don't pin it hard away. Overcoming with it, they took my heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Heart away. Don't pin it hard away.
last man for nothing. I took the heart away. So they put me overcoming with the they took my heart away. Pouring liquor for my dick and it gone. Thug holiday. Yo, pin it hard away. Hard away. I ain't asked now for nothing. I took the heart away. So they put me overcoming with the they took my heart away. 